backpackers, travelers, and globetrotters from all around the world. Welcome back to another episode of the Itchy Feet podcast. Today, we take our first look at South America. We're going to one of the biggest countries in the world, Brazil. And we're going to be joined by a really good friend of mine once again. This time, we're joined by Mao. Mao's a local from Brazil, and he took me in recently as I went and did carnival with him in 2020. We made our way to Rio de Janeiro, and my God, was it amazing. Along with Rio de Janeiro, there's far more to see, far more to do. And we're going to get the inside scoop from the local himself. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Mal, welcome to Itchy Feet, mate. How you doing? I'm doing very good, mate. How are you doing? I'm really, really well. You're out in Sao Paulo at the moment, yeah? I'm in Sao Paulo, but I am originally from the Amazon area called Porto Velho. It's about 300 kilometers away from the, the border with Bolivia. What drew you out, uh, out of the Amazon into Sao Paulo then? Basically quality of education, but also uh, I did want to have a bit of fun <laughs> and uh, live away from my parents and uh, get to do high school away from my hometown and university life. But I did travel a bit first. Where'd you go traveling? I went to go to university in Scotland and studied there for a year. And obviously went and visited most Western European countries and a few Eastern European countries as well. And I mean, just had some amazing times as an 18 year old by himself in Europe, making yeah. the best of it. <laughs> that being said, there's no better place for an 18 year old, 25 year old, 35 year old, 40 year old to be than Rio de Janeiro. Rio's magical for whatever kind of person you are and uh, wherever you're from. It's just absolutely insane. Yeah, and here I was jumping straight into the deep end, smack bang in the heart of Carnival in Rio de Janeiro. Carnival is by far the most memorable and the most longed for holidays. So what's uh, the story behind it? Carnival is a Christian celebration of flesh. Carnival really is about what is done throughout the world. All the dressing up and all the, the showing off and the dances and stuff. And uh, obviously here in Brazil, we have the weather contributing to it. And then we get all this scantily clad people, which is also part of it. It isn't uh, perceived in a negative way. It is just regular to see people with uh, very little clothes <laughs> around the streets during carnival. It's a very fun place to be. It's very animalistic. It's very, if you want to go and do something, you go and do it. If you want to kiss that guy or that girl, you go and kiss that guy or that girl. I mean, as long as it's consented. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I mean, it's so fun. Like you are literally meeting hundreds thousands of people each day and there's such a positive vibrant atmosphere about it that i absolutely yeah, love with. what you said is so true everything is done with so much respect in today's world and everyone uh, wears hashtags around their body and it's hashtag no is no there literally is a lot of respect uh, surrounding that whole fiesta you know parade thing and, th and then that parade as well that's only a very small part of it you saw it yourself that most of it goes on in the actual streets and it's a, a festival that's that goes on for everybody you you'll never have to pay to listen to any of that music or to be able to follow the block parties and drink with everyone and enjoy with everybody you know my one bit of advice that i would give to anyone that was going to carnival especially as a foreigner is if you don't have a brazilian friend that's around try and find one or make one because the blockos or the block parties as they call them, they're not easy to locate. There is an app that you can download, which I believe you and your sister were using to sort of locate yeah. what's happening where and when it's not, you walk out your door and there's the party. 
you'll have to walk to a certain area or get in a cab and go to a different area of Rio de Janeiro. We probably should move on past Carnival though. Rio itself, it's famous for its beaches. I stayed in Copacabana. I found Copacabana to be massively touristy. That's the main tourist spot, isn't it? It's, yeah, definitely the main tourist spot. To me, Copacabana Beach is not the best. It's very commercial, uh, not necessarily touristy, but very commercial. So I'd rather enjoy Ipanema Beach myself. Gorgeous beach, Copacabana, but yeah, if you just head straight up a little bit further west, happy days. You introduced me to possibly the best burger I've ever had in my life in Copacabana. Balada Burger, that was amazing. It was so good. We went there so many times as well. Yeah, I think I had that burger about five or six times. I was in Copacabana for four days. <laughs> Never got tired of it. Eh? Oh, I still think of it every now and then, you know, like even right now we're talking about one particular burger. <laughs> <laughs> But then I decided, because Rio de Janeiro is such a big place, you can get different slices from it. When I went into Lapa in downtown, it was very much, I felt like I was in the city. But that's also where the famous Lapa steps are. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's overcrowded. <laughs> yeah, incredibly overcrowded. You'll definitely have to walk quite far up in order to be able to get a good picture. The story behind it is quite cool. It was this Argentinian guy, and I'm not sure how he got the tiles, but apparently he was in love with that place. The steps were there, but then he tiled it. And what is most curious and very tragic about it is that he was shot on those steps. On the um, steps themselves? On the steps themselves. And that's how the, the, the whole story became so famous. Oh, wow. That's dark. Yeah, I mean, it's tragic as a lot of uh, Rio's history is. But again, that's one of the beauties of it. You know, it's the contradictions that are in the downtown area in, in Lapa or on the beach or, you know, with all of its favelas. And, and again, don't get me wrong, I'm not bad mouthing it. That's, again, part of the beauty of it. Speaking of which, actually, I do want to touch on the favela tours. We talked about them when we were in Rio. What should take We actually on met Just the driver. Remember that? We oh, met the too, driver yes. of one of the favela tours, yeah. Yes, I just, I wanted to get a local's perspective. Like, is it ethical? Is it safe? I mean, I'll be, I'll be pretty direct, you know. Uh, yeah, that's what uh, I want, man. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not from Rio, but people over there find it pretty disgusting that, that there's still tourism around that. And people in the favelas feel like they're part of a zoo, you know, like encaged animals and people are taking pictures of them as if it was something completely alien, you know. And it is, it is different. It's a different living situation. But all those people are, are still humans, you know. Yeah, I know. And that's sort of what I wanted to touch on because it was something that I was thinking about when I was there. And I've got friends that have done their favela tours and they thought they were fantastic and a great insight. But again, it's that sense of like, you definitely want to balance ethics with curiosity. Yeah, I mean, uh, authentic curiosity is completely fine, but when it's purchased like that, when it becomes a, a commodity, that's what makes it so weird, you know? It's not the fact that people are going there because they find it curious, more the fact that it's become a whole industry, you know? The people aren't individually, uh, they shouldn't be individually blamed for what they did or for having taken a favela tour. It's something that's bigger than that, you know? Yeah, I get that. I know we're talking about like tourist hotspots and so it feels like it's the right time to talk about Christ the Redeemer. I can understand why it is called one of the seven wonders of the world. It is absolutely amazing. The marvel itself of being able to construct something that intricate and that large in such a position is fantastic. But again, super overcrowded. I took a train up there. You can hike up there. It takes a couple of hours. I couldn't believe how many people were crammed onto the platform in front of Christ the Redeemer itself. And I had to play hopscotch with the people that were laying on the ground. There's people laying <laughs> on the ground to get a good angle of Christ the yeah. Redeemer for their photos. And I'm accidentally stepping on their you know, hips and feet. 
And then because I'm looking down, making sure I don't step on anyone, I get slapped in the face by someone like replicating the same pose. <laughs> and I'm like, can you not? <laughs> like, What did you do then to get yourself a good angle? Because I mean, one has to do that, right? When, when they're up. Uh, up well, absolutely. But I'm very much, when I'm in that sort of situation, I don't do very well with crowds. They sort of frustrate me and I completely understand why they're there. And I'm one of them as well. So I'm, I'm not yeah. going to, I'm not going to contradict that idea, but I went, stood at the front and, I actually really enjoyed the view. The view itself, you're right on top of Rio de Janeiro to look around, that panoramic view is absolutely stunning. And then I took a quick snap of a selfie of me in front of Christ the Redeemer. And then I was like, looked around and I just couldn't really enjoy it. I took it in for a couple of minutes, but I didn't stay up there long. If someone was watching me, it would have been like, oh, he's just come up here to see it, tick it off the box and then leave. But that wasn't the case. I just, I couldn't soak it in to a point where I wanted to stay because of all the people there. That being said, I was super impressed by it. I was actually super impressed by it from away from it, to be honest. Yeah, sense? I think, uh, I'm, I'm not even sure what's more impressive, to be honest, if it is to see it basically watch over the whole city of Rio, because you can see it from basically everywhere in the, the south zone of Rio, which is that most famous bit. Or if it's to be up there and, and try to wrap your mind around how they managed to build that on top of that, basically a mountain, and that was in the early 1900s, you know, yeah. like how, how is that possible? I was <clears throat> trying to read into it and I was just like, when you see how steep that mountain is, like, it's unreal. The other big one is Sugarloaf. I actually didn't do Sugarloaf, but a lot of my friends have said Sugarloaf is actually the best location for a view. I'd say you couldn't compare them because they, they are quite different, you know, uh, yeah. even the heights of it. The Sugarloaf is, isn't nearly as high as, the, as Christ of Redeemers, but uh, you can see more of the beaches. So maybe for that, yeah. But yeah, obviously an experience to be had. And I'd say that as crowded as both of these are, they're definitely worth going once. You know, maybe as I did, I've only been there once in both these places. I had a really good time. Like I enjoyed it. Wasn't there for a long time as, as you weren't. But yeah, worth it. I have one memory of Sugarloaf that I think I'll take with me everywhere. My favorite blocko that we went to during Carnival was in front of the Sugarloaf. So you're just partying, I'm partying with you and your friends and, and your sister, and I'm looking around and Sugarloaf is right there. And I'm just like, I am in heaven. You guys did recommend the Museum of Tomorrow for me. I didn't get around to it again. I was short on time. I think you're short on memory because, um, well, we were obviously quite drunk, but we were there. Oh. One of those blockos. <laughs> One of those blockers was actually right there, and uh, it's this cool engineering thing, you know. Fucking the museum itself is cool. It is a depiction of what it would be like tomorrow uh, or in the future, and it's very interactive. So it lets you play uh, with the data and with all the the art that they have there. But it is mostly about the environment and raising awareness to to what's being done by human beings to to the world. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. That would have been really good to check out. I think that was the only downside to being there during carnival is the fact that carnival is on and everything else is not, but you're the local, you know, all the, the sort of hidden nooks and crannies. What's the best place to go if you just want to find something that's not so well known? Largo do Boticario. Yeah. That's this beautiful little spot. It's, it's a bunch of little houses. It looks like a little condominium from the imperial time. So, so the architecture of it is all classical and stuff. It's all run down, but it's now being renovated by this big hotel conglomerate, and uh, and they're going to build a hotel out of it, but obviously keeping all of its historical characteristics, such as its facade and everything. And it's a, a small hidden gem because it is really hidden within the mountains of Rio there. 
they're the sort of things that make trips, you know, when you can actually escape, especially when you've got places like Sugarloaf, Christ Redeemer and the Lapa Steps that are so populated. When you can escape and just experience the culture, experience the country with a minimum of tourists around you. I mean, it always makes you feel good when you stumble across one as well. True. I, um, I spoke to a lot of people that made their way from Rio de Janeiro down to Ilha Grande. I didn't get a chance to go out there as well, but there was a lot of people that do recommend going out there. Another one was Paraty. You got to go out there? Yeah, I did. I did. Um, actually, uh, my cousin got married there. It's a big destination for tourists from all over the world and from Brazil as well. A lot of people from Sao Paulo and Rio will go there. And it is super cool. It isn't that much of a beach town. There are a bunch of beaches around it. But the town itself is, is small and very historical. It's from the 1600s, if I'm not mistaken. Most of Brazil's gold trade was done through there. And that's why it became this little town. Let's head over to where you are right now. Your current hometown of Sao Paulo. Most inhabited, isn't it? Biggest population? It is um, the second biggest city in the world, if I'm not mistaken. 20 million inhabitants. So yeah, it's massive. We would never be able to go through all of Sao Paulo in one episode. Obviously not as touristy as Rio, but still so many cool things to do. Yeah. And quite a lot of nature as well. You know, a bunch of beautiful sunset spots as uh, Sunset Square, which is a place not many people know of, uh, especially tourists. Very, very good bar scene. And Sao Paulo is a, an extremely multicultural place. With this latest refugee uh, wave, a bunch of refugees came from all different areas in the world, mainly Africa and the Middle East. Sao Paulo is the biggest Japanese population outside of Japan, which is hard to imagine. Yeah, actually, when I was there, I went through, it's called uh, Liberdaji. Yeah, that that's sort of area. I went yeah. through there one afternoon. It's a really, really cool place. For a second, I didn't even think I was in Brazil anymore. My scaring of Japanese didn't really go very far, but it went a little bit further than my non-existent Portuguese. So. Still in Portuguese, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I really liked Liberdaji just to check out as an area. But I think there's no going past Vila Madalena. Yeah, Vila Madalena right? is the... Yeah. Yeah, yeah you, you're saying it perfectly. Uh, that is the place to be if you're keen on bars and on good food. I mean, if you're a vegetarian, um, things get a little bit hard in Brazil. And you may not like this conversation as much. Because <laughs> we're all about our barbecues and, you know, feijoada, which is made with black beans and, and a bunch of weird pork parts, such as the ears and feet and stuff. Uh, we obviously don't eat any of that. But historically, that was made by the slaves with the rest of the, the parts that were left over, basically, that were given to them for them to cook. And that's all used to flavor the feijoada because it needs to be flavored with that. What is that stuff that Lisa eats all the time? She's all about. It's like a season. Oh, farofa. Yes, farofa. <laughs> yeah. I also found that's like the only time I've ever had farofa. And I mean, that was interesting to try from a foreigner's point of view, for sure. Yeah, made out of uh, cassava flour. Massive must-do in Sao Paulo for me was the Batman Alley. Beko do Batman, yeah. Really, really cool. Just unreal street art, dedicated a lot of it to Batman. I'm not a Nazi person, but found Irapira Park. That's Ibrapuera. So that park, for someone who's not an artsy person like myself, that was really fantastic. It had elements of history, elements of modern art, elements of old school art, but it was all in this park littered throughout different areas so that you could sort of just enjoy being outdoors and enjoy being in the open air in the middle of a city, but also have areas to walk to to check out some really cool different sculptures and stuff like that and stories along the way. 
Yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't believe there there'd be such a massive green area in the middle of Sao Paulo, but that's uh, slightly bigger than the Hyde Park for those that, that know it. No wonder I had sore feet afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Having you guys around really made Sao Paulo really accessible and really easy. Nothing is more accessible than Sao Paulo by using the subway. That is the easiest way to get around. Fantastically easy to use and so cheap. You can get all around the city for like 30 cents. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> but when you're leaving the city itself, you can obviously fly. You can take buses and stuff. Sao Paulo itself is a main hub of South America. So you can pretty much access anywhere in Brazil or beyond from Sao Paulo. I actually headed down to Florianopolis or Floripa in Brazil. So it's called. Yeah, it's exactly what we see. Yeah. Yeah, basically a small little island in the south and it's a different side of Brazil all over again. Really relaxed, really chill. A bit bohemian, I found. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've heard that too. You know, I've only been there um, maybe a couple of times when I was quite a lot younger with my parents. Extremely cool. I really had a good time, but I didn't get to experience that bohemian side of it, unfortunately. Yeah, I spent three days there. A lot of people say that it's one of those places you can go to for three days and end up there for a week, two weeks and just end up staying really chilled vibe out there it's very tourist friendly you've got people that speak a bit of english great surf beaches great beaches in general my biggest hit for florianopolis was Praia de Leste beach it's about one and a half hours walking through the mountains and then you end is up that picture you posted yeah the picture on my instagram yeah wow that is amazing you end up on this vacant beach i was the only one there when i first got there if you walk up to the far end of it on the left-hand side, there's even a little lagoon and you can just chill in the lagoon. It's oh, a really surreal place. And if your legs aren't killing you, take the effort to go right up to the top. There's a viewpoint. If you want to check out the Instagram post on Nomad Coops, go on Instagram, check it out. Shameless definitely. plug. <laughs> that's worthy of it though, because that's a sick picture. Yeah, so definitely make your way up there, but make sure you go with plenty of time, especially because I was stationed in the center of Florinopolis in Lagoa. To actually get down to the south, it takes about an hour by car. Then you've got to get across to the beach and then you've got to get up the mountain. So it's quite time consuming, but worth mm. every second. If you go early, you get more time to spend at the beach as well. Huge recommendation is like a hidden gem of mine. I think the best way to finish off Brazil, I went across to Iguazu Falls. That's unreal. The massive, massive waterfalls. I haven't been to Niagara Falls. I haven't been to Victoria Falls, but I've had people that have seen all three and they say that they're all in the same league. To see it from the Brazil side, you can do it really quick. It takes like maybe three hours. It's a very easy walk, but do yourself a favor and go across the Argentinian side as well, because I think that's where you get the best views. Getting to Iguazu Falls from Florianopolis, I took a bus. 18 hours. Uh, how was that? Surprisingly, really, really good. The sleeper buses in Brazil are the best buses I've ever slept in. Very spacious, right? Very spacious. I paid $80 to go from Florianopolis to Porto Iguazu. I had a fully reclinable chair. I had plenty of space. I wasn't sharing it with anyone. I had a curtain. They bought me food. And I was tossing up whether to go to Iguazu Falls or not because it was so far away. But best decision that I did make in Brazil was to make my way out to Iguazu. That being said, one of the things that I do regret not getting out to was Bahia. I've heard nothing but amazing things. You've made it out there, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I've made it out there to the two most famous places up there, which are Salvador, and that's the capital of Bahia, Bahia's state, right? That was Brazil's first capital as well, curiously enough. And Salvador has a bunch of history, some really cool beaches as well, worth seeing, massive carnival scene, completely different to what it is in Rio. 
the food is different as well. They have some some of their own dishes, such as a karaje, which is a, a deep fried dough made out of beans, I think. It's extremely spicy, but super, super tasty. Um, but yeah, definitely the beaches because there are unique places there. And that that isn't really in Salvador. But there's this place um, three hours away by boat, and that's called Moro de São Paulo. That's uh, an island. And this part of the island, uh, Moro de São Paulo, has a bunch of real paradise-like beaches. So there's plenty to escape to, like so many different areas of Brazil that you can experience for a different side of Brazil. Yeah, and I mean, that's, that's, uh, we're only talking about the coast here. So really, if you've got the chance, you could easily give yourself a month in Brazil and, and just scrape the surface. Oh yeah, very true. It was quite fascinating to see how much Brazil has to offer, considering there's not a lot of people out there that are talking about tours in Brazil or backpacking Brazil or where they should go. And the conversation doesn't seem to be about Brazil. And I think that's a tragedy because it's an absolutely stunning place. No, you're right. It is, it is gorgeous and it's very much underrated. Uh, so do make it to Brazil. Yeah. So if you're listening at home and you want to, you have that time to go and explore these destinations in Brazil and you're not sure how to spell them, feel free to throw us a, a message or an email. We can shoot across all this information for you to help you set yourself up or help you explore. But before I do let you go, I want you uh-huh. to give us a little bit of an insight into your favorite travel story. There was this time when I, around 2014, 2015, something like that. And I, I was staying in, in, in Italy for two months and my first stop was Sicily. And I was going to be staying at this place called Villa Franca de Sicula, which is a tiny, tiny little village in the extreme center of, uh, of Sicily. I was going to do some, um, what was I called? Work away or something like that. Yeah, which is basically, and the guy had, you know, good reviews and stuff. And uh, apparently he had some kind of different society going on. He, he had his own currency within the village and stuff. And I mean, that, that all sounded really cool, you know, I was... I don't know, I was 23 at the time, you know, so I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go there and do whatever there is to do there. So I get there and there's no fucking, there isn't a place to sleep. And I mean, I'm, I'm not really too bothered, you know, I could, I could sleep on the floor, but there wasn't a floor to sleep on. <laughs> so I had to sleep one, under an olive tree. There was this old mattress that I don't think you could call it a mattress anymore. Uh, but I managed to cover that with, you know, a, f- a few covers that they had laying around. Built a fire next to me and stay there for like maybe four nights. I obviously got fed up with that. Yeah, under an olive tree. <laughs> obviously got fed up with that. <laughs> I managed to to create a whole uh, mutiny <laughs> from with all the workers that were working there, and we all left at once. <laughs> no way! So you full like led a mutiny against this workaway cult. Yeah, yeah, but he the guy was a freak. The guy was a he was a, the self proclaimed president of Sicily. He even had a passport stamp for Sicily uh, because he, he believed uh, Sicily should be a free place. And he said we could use the currency all over the village, right? That wasn't true. That was a, a construction of his mind. Uh, people, when we, when we went out to the village and we actually heard about the person he was, he, everyone thought he was a nut job. <laughs> Yeah, wow. And, uh, and I mean, I led the mutiny and it ended up that I had to fucking sleep on the street because there wasn't a place to sleep. And uh, since then, I've managed to stay at any hostel yeah. with anyone yeah. snoring or <laughs> anything happening. You, you learn some so, skills, man. It teaches you some lessons, you know. And that was all super fucking funny to, to look back uh, a few days later, you know. Oh, yeah. No doubt, man. No doubt. So just finally, from the past to the future, three bucket list items on the top of your list. Ooh, those are, that's, that's a good one. Um, I'd say, again, Italy. Uh, there's this place that 
really not many people know about it, and it's in the Amalfi Coast. But there's this place called Banya Regina Giovanna, which is a cove that has this cave that leads into the sea. And from getting out of this cave, you get to see the Vesuvius uh, uh, volcano. Wow. It's a sick, sick view. You can jump from the top of the rock, and that's about 12 meters high. So it makes for a fun jump, you know? Yeah, dude. Uh, and that's really cool because that's not paid for or anything. I'd say Thailand has quite a few ones, but I'd say the place that I live for, for the longest there, Kolanta. That's a place not many people know about. I also think the Baltic countries are amazing. And again, I, I've never heard of many people going there. And that's Lithuania, uh, Latvia, and Estonia. They're cheap. People are super welcoming. Everyone speaks English nowadays, you know? So that's, uh, I'd say, my top three. Yeah, top three bucket list that you've experienced. Yeah. Love that. Cool. That's just about it from this end. If you do get a chance to get into Sao Paulo, Mao is very accommodating. He's had me stay there before. He's had many friends stay there before. Feel free to say good day to him and his sister, Leisure. Very lovely people. Feel Go. free to head us up, stay on our couch like uh, Aaron did. Uh, thanks a lot for having been here, mate. And thanks a lot for letting me be part of this. You're most welcome, man. And for everyone else all around the world, thanks for joining us for another episode of Itchy Feet. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever your, your desired platform is. And you can find us at nomadcoops.com. Just click on the link to Itchy Feet Podcast and you'll find all our episodes. And also there is a comments box down the bottom. Use that to send your own stories, to ask your questions and anything that we can do to try and help you guys become a part of this travel community so it's easier for you to get back on the road. For now, we'll say ciao. And next week, we'll be facing a brand new country in a brand new continent. Thanks for joining us at Itchy Feet.